Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today's guest is Amanda Chantal Bacon, the founder and CEO of Moon Juice. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, thank you. So, Amanda, you know, you're arguably one of the originators of this whole kind of wellness movement that started about a decade ago. Talk to us a little about, about what you were thinking, because you came from a food background, correct? I did, yeah. I came from more of a fine dining background. I, you know, it actually, it started out as a joke, um, and it's one of those jokes that I probably still do this in life, but it's um, a joke that you keep saying out loud, and all of a sudden, it's no longer a joke. Um, it's one of those manifest reality moments. Um, but, you know, I was working in fine dining, and just through my own path and my own health struggle, I wound up juicing and I wound up using adaptogens and making almond milk. And I was doing this at home and it was full-time work doing it at home. And so I kept saying to people, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit, quit the culinary industry and I'm just going to open a juice shop. And then I'd laugh. Um, and then I stopped laughing. And it seemed like, you know what, this is a full-time job. I'd much rather be working towards something that I am extremely passionate about and need for what feels like survival at this point. Um, and I went for it. What year was this? That must have been 2009. So at the very beginning of kind of when people started using the word wellness or talking about, you know, wellness versus just health or doctors. It felt pre that. I mean, going anywhere where wellness was a term was like a pretty janky health food store with bad lighting and loud sounds and strange smells. Um, so that was really one of the intentions with Moon Juice was to bring this next level of, of health, which I wasn't finding in like the vitamin barns with the bulk bins of the world. Um, it was to bring some of that fine dining accuracy that I'd come to know and trust and employ every day um, in, the own, in my own kitchens and where I was working um, and, and really missing that in the health world because every time you got a juice, it was completely different. Sometimes there were you know, bugs in the bulk bin. It was just that, that angle of aesthetic and um, precision that was missing. So, yeah, I set about doing that. So you opened your first shop, first Moon Juice shop in 2011, correct? Yes, we opened the doors then. Took a while to get there. So tell us a little bit about that experience because, you know, before then, you know, juicing that didn't necessarily get a great rap. You know, there was a lot of sugar in it. People weren't sure if they were using it for diet purposes or for health food purposes. So what were you trying to kind of embark upon? Um, at that point, there really there weren't any juice shops open. So I think this was pre bad rap of of sugar and dieting. I mean, truly, I was having my own organic journey in self healing. Um, it's interesting now, you know, with skincare products and having a company that is internationally recognized. I think there's a lot of trying to figure it out um, retroactively. And people asking, like, well, what was your marketing vision? And, you know, what was your plan? And how did you seize the market? But truly, at the time, it was purely a passion project. So when did you know that 
maybe it could be something more, you know, that you could bring these concepts of juicing and, you know, you really relied on some of the um, ancient practices, whether it was Ayurveda or Chinese mm-hmm. medicine um, and bringing that to a more modern woman, a more modern male. Um, you know, I think that I realized we were on to something that was far greater than juicing because juicing really the concept of juicing. And I still maintain this is that it should be done daily and it should be raw um, and it should be fresh. And I couldn't actually find a reason for me to go out nationally um, and start using HPP. And obviously those things were on the table. Many people wanted to take us there and expand. But the idea of going national with a juice shop concept just didn't seem like a good idea to me ever. Why? Well, one, I think that people can do a better job with their own shop in their own hometown, um, paying close attention to the details. You know, I weather plays into it. I don't think that drinking cold juice is great in the snow, and much of the country gets cold and snowy for a good part of the year. So I had many factors that went into, no, that doesn't seem like a good idea. My, my instincts, you know, did not say, hey, that's a great idea. Go for it. Um, but when things did start to percolate for me were these adaptogenic blends that we had in shop. And um, people were loving them. They really were born out of mixes that I would make for myself, pre-moon juice, and bring out to, you know, I don't drink. So I'd bring them out to a bar. And it would be an un, unmarked bag of herbs, and I'd ask for hot water or soda water at the bar and mix all these herbs in, and people would just be like, what are you doing? What is this? It's like, well, you know, this this will really um, give you a bump of energy, or this will really help with libido. And, you know, people want it in and would put it in hot water at a restaurant or, you know, so it's like this fun, fun game I played out there in the world. And then that obviously rolled into moon juice when we opened and put them into chocolate milks and, you know, different versions of delicious, delicious shakes. And so we then transferred those adaptogenic herbs into jars um, and started selling them by the blend. And that was a local, very much a local endeavor. Um, And then we started to have a following You know, and people were coming in just for the jars, and they were buying many jars. Um, Celebrities caught on and started talking about it, and, you know, became wildfire. So go back a little bit, Amanda. You know, you mentioned a second ago, you know, the retroactive kind of piece of it, and people kind of asking you, like, when did you know? How did you figure this out? Mm -hmm. But, you know, beyond the benefits, the health benefits and wellness benefits of these adaptogenic blends. Mm-hmm. They also had really, really buzzy names, you know, yeah. going with them like sex dust and brain dust. What were you thinking back now? What yeah. were you thinking then? Like how to market and bring these products to create buzz or interest? Yeah, I hear you now. And I actually, my my brain can really think that way now. But I, the, the moon juice journey has been, you know, I think in a way I've watched I've watched the company grow. I've also watched how my brain works um, and how I now go about things is very different. But at the time, it was simple, straightforward, like this is good for your brain, brain dust. This is great for endurance, power dust. This is great for mood and spirit spirit dust. Um, 
sex dust, though. You know, even in my my naivete, I think any any marketing mind knows that you know you put the name sex on something, and you're gonna get some attention. There's gonna be some excitement. People are gonna be into that one. How did you think that you know when wholesalers and you know retail partners started coming along and saying, "Hey, we want to bring this national." What was say different versus you know the the juice bar concept? Well, the juice bar concept logistically didn't make sense to go national with because you have to use HPP, which I think is an inferior product. So my heart always has to be in the place of by scaling, we're actually making something better. Um, And so with juice, you're making something worse. And I also quickly saw that there are great juice companies out there that sell to Whole Foods and any grocery store, any airport around the country, and they've got organic green juice blends. And so truly, what would be the difference between a moon juice with some type of pasteurization on it in a cute juice shop and a juice for maybe $2.99 in a grocery store that's the same blend and organic? It would really be the difference of a label. Right. So that didn't feel um, worthwhile. Herbs, though... That was something that when you scale it, it makes sense. Um, Your costs go down. You're able to reach more people. Supplements are actually something that you you need scale for safety, for safety reasons alone. The amount of um, energy that we put into sourcing and testing, I couldn't do as a small company. And I knew we needed that to truly come out with the products that I wanted. And so when you did finally go in to work with partners, mm-hmm. what did that feel like? What did you, what were you looking for in those partners and what did you think they could do for you? Um, in terms of capital? In terms or, of capital or, or, or retail? Retail. Retail. Mm-hmm. Retail partners, our first big partner has been Sephora. And they actually came knocking before we were ready. And it was before I took investment on. Um, they were very early on the scene. And really seeing that wellness was something here to say. Wellness was something they wanted to invest in. Um, and they really caught me before I was ready. So that conversation was on the table for a while. And it took really a couple years of getting all of our ducks in a row and really ready to scale on that level. Um, and it's been incredible working with them. It's really, it's the dream of having, you know, Sephora's got 400 doors in the U.S. and we're in more than 500 doors now. And so that truly was the dream is how do we bring these, like you said, ancient practices of Ayurveda and TCM um, and other schools of herbalism, how do we bring that to every house in America? Who do you think your customer was or your woman or was back in 2009 or 2011 versus today? You know, I think that um, I've always been surprised by the type of person that is attracted to moon juice. I think there's that, that picture of what wellness looks like in America, and it's usually a blonde woman in her 20s in yoga gear, and there's that. Um, but there's always been a different face at Moon Juice, I remember when we first opened, um, you know, I was in there 14 hours a day with my son. So I really saw everyone. Taxi drivers would come 
Um, you know, the guy with a cigarette in his hand would come and put it out at the front door. So there's always been a mix. I'd say in our shops, there's much more of an eclectic mix um, coming in. But digitally, we're able to nail that down, and it is female. And it is between 25 and 34. So that that seems to fit a bit more, you know. I've heard that you go you went back to the testing piece a little bit ago, and you said that, you know, you spent a lot of it time and energy, obviously, testing these herbs, testing these products before mm-hmm. you get them to the end customer. Um, I believe it was it's about 40% of your budget that you're spending on testing versus, say, marketing, which is yes. what a lot of other companies do. Yeah. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, I think people are always surprised to find out that we really don't spend any money on marketing. We've got a creative little bubble that is very lean that goes at Instagram, which is our main marketing channel. Um, my, myself, and Cl- I look at every post that goes up. I'm tweaking every post. It was not so long ago that I was actually writing and posting each post. Um, and we really do spend our energy and our time um, and our money on sourcing and testing for potency and safety. And that, I mean, I think you know, I hope that never changes. I really do, and I think this is very old-fashioned of me. Um, but I really do believe in quality and that if you make something that truly is efficacious, people are going to come find you and keep using you. And that has been true thus far. We don't pay celebrities. We don't pay influencers. We haven't entered that game. So it's really all its all organic. A lot of Moon Juice's story is very organic. You mentioned a second ago about kind of the elitist image people have of the female or male wellness customer. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you think the industry and market has changed over the last, you know, 10 years that you've been around and, and, you know, wellness's stretchiness has really stretched, right? Mm -hmm. You know, pharmaceuticals are being called wellness. Condoms are being called wellness. Mm -hmm. I mean, what Condoms is- probably are wellness. <laughs> I applaud that. <laughs> but what is wellness in your mind and what's what's the definition of it yeah. of from your point of view and where you sit? Um, well, I shy away from the term wellness at this point. Why? Uh, for every reason you just listed. Um, I also think, you know, there's a bit of an icky an ickiness that comes with the term now and it and it is that elitist. That's that's the the foremost icky icky part to me is um, that it's a female that looks a certain way, and that some don't feel invited to the table. I'm really not interested in that. And then there's the the marketing term that whether it's a pharmaceutical company using it or a, a beauty brand that's not clean, whatever it is try to stay out of the fray of what what the wellness world has become, which is odd because I'm smack dab in the center of it and have probably contributed to a lot, a Uh, lot of everything that I shy away from now. Absolutely. I mean, people kind of put you right up there with, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop in the the term of in, in using the word wellness. So how do you kind of what do you how do you describe Moon Juice today if it's not wellness? Um, well, you know, it probably falls under those terms. Um, you know, I really try to keep my head down. 
and stay in my lane. Um, I don't keep up with much of the wellness world. I keep up with my own personal wellness journey, which is forever ongoing. And so that takes me to see new technology and look at new science and speak with new doctors. Um, but I really don't go to wellness conferences and I don't check out the new CBD companies that often, I mean, if something falls in my lap and it's wonderful, great. But yeah, I, I really keep my head down and stay close with my team um, and try to really North Star our agenda and what we're putting out in the world and who we're speaking to and how we're speaking to them um, and really look at ways to take people's energy and wellness that has maybe become a bit myopic and selfish um, and steer that towards, hey, let's get ourselves well and strong so that we may contribute something to this world rather than let's get ourselves well so that we can lock ourselves in our home and buy more things and take selfies and live to be 135 <laughs> all by ourselves. Um, and, I, and I think that is my criticism of the wellness world, if there was one. I think there's so many wonderful things about wellness spreading, but the underbelly of it is this notion of it is for the 1% to live forever by themselves in their castles looking young. Um, and so, yeah, what can I do is, you know, I, I do feel like, oof, I was there and helped create a bit of this beast um, and to really stay true to the mission um, and to spread that to my team and to dig deeper into myself and look at, ooh, how can we swing this thing the other way? And why, why do we want to be well? What is the point of living longer and feeling better and being stronger, which gets into, you know, I guess much farther outside of the business, but really in essence, why, why are we here, you know? And I think at the heart of wellness, that is the question everybody should be asking is, you know, beyond looking good and feeling good and, and living a bit longer, why are we here? Right, right. And I don't think it's to, um, you know, make more money and be attractive for selfies. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, Amanda, you know, last year you moved into the skincare category mm -hmm. and from ingestibles and from juices. So was that somewhat problematic for you or did you ever think, you know, um, that you would enter beauty properly in that sense because you know so much so many of these companies today talk about beauty from the inside out mm -hmm. and you know taking these collagen mixes or you know ayurvedic mixes to make themselves look better and it's part of this whole kind of skincare contour mm -hmm. <laughs> you know journey so talk to us a little bit about why that ended up being synergistic or organic or yeah i mean i'm right fit. the least likely candidate <laughs> i really i I don't wear makeup, um, although I'm hoping Gucci Gucci Westman has promised me that she's going to teach me some tricks as, you know, I don't know, in my late 30s, it's a good time to maybe pick up that skill. Um, yeah, a lot of the press that Moon Juice has had has actually come from beauty editors, even when we were just Juice. Um, so we've been on the beauty scene. 
with supplements. And I think as I did age um, and I looked at options out there, you know, outside of like a healthy diet and a bar of soap, what could one do to their to their face to keep it keep it healthy? Um, I wasn't in love with the clean options out there. There are beautiful oils that I use and love and they smell so good. But then there is this other world of um, like P50. Yes. <laughs> Which Tell us I, about your thoughts on P50. Um, I was horrified by the ingredient list, but so curious. So many people loved it. It's a cult product. It, it, yeah. And I, I, had, I was so curious. I had to know. So I tried it. Um, and this was probably six months before my wedding. Maybe a year before me, I can't remember. Somewhere in there, I was like, Meh, I'd like my face to look its best. Um, I tried it. It worked. I didn't actually believe that skin care worked. I think that was part of the first issue there. Um, so I had an experience with P50. It worked. My president that I had brought on to the company had a background in skin care, which is very convenient. Um, and I thought, hey... Why don't we take a formula like this to our chemist and start playing around and see if there's any version of this that can be clean and safe? And so it was about a year of formulating, um, and we came up with something. That's an acid. It's an acid potion. It is the acid potion, and it's completely clean. And we hear from people that use P50 that they've switched over happily. So that was the first foray into it. And once that happened, you know, I think it's like anything I'm doing, whether I'm cooking or um, making juices or making supplements, it's what's out there that isn't being done that I think I can do. And so whether it's working with a scientist for supplements, a chemist for skincare, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm the scientist in the kitchen, so I get to take that title, um, but making a recipe, it's really all based in the same thing, is the most potent ingredients without all the fillers. How can we do that? How can we find a stable formula um, that's going to be most efficacious and cleanest? When you think about the clean beauty industry today, you know, a lot of brands out there aren't completely clean, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, state that they're clean or have certain clean products. People are very confused about natural, organic, clean, greenwashing, mm -hmm. the whole thing. You're very probably familiar with that. Yeah. You know, what has been important in explaining, you know, the content side of things um, and educating the customer about what your products are and what they aren't because there's a lot of misinformation. I think that the customer is becoming more and more educated with each day and at incredible speed. So I think that really works in our favor, whether it's um, supplements or skincare. So there's not a lot of explaining that we've had to do thus far. Um, we, we have bold statements of what we don't include. Um, but again, this is something, you know, that I really, again, like to put put my head down and focus on us rather than this company's over there and they're saying they're clean, but they're not really clean. And this supplement company over here doesn't test their, their adaptogens and I know where they're getting their, you know, so we, so we really don't focus on that. Um, and one foot in front of the other do the best that we can. 
and um, explain it the best that we can. And I do find with each passing day, we've got new customers and followers that come to us because they've done the research. Um, so there's that aspect to it. I think we could probably do more education around that. Um, and then working with partners like Sephora, they do a great job of truly making sure that anything that's got their green seal of approval on it meets a certain standard. So that really helps working with retailers and partners like that that can make that clear line in the sand. Absolutely. Amanda, when you think about, you know, where you think you want Moon Juice to go, whether it's, you know, more product, more launches, you know, international investors, what's top of mind for you right now? Because I'm sure I'm sure you're getting lots of offers for lots of different opportunities. Yeah, we do. We get so many. Um, and that is something I've learned to be really patient with, you know, especially in in the age of the female entrepreneur taking on, you know, unimaginable amounts of money and scaling at lightning speed. Um, for me, it's really important to not go too big too fast or up until this point. It's been to not go too big too fast and to really try these concepts out and make sure that they work before we take a whole bunch of money and dump it into marketing and um, international and more digital. So I've patiently and with my team, we really have been proving concept. And that felt really important to do before taking on more capital. Um, and I think I'm in a place now where I'd love to put some more attention into marketing, which we haven't done. Um, and so that's probably next on the horizon for us. I've had great investors thus far, private investors. And so I may continue down that road and put some more money into marketing you know, give it a good strong year or two with that. And I think we'll wake up in a very different position after that. At this point in time, would you ever take investment from, you know, a larger scale company, whether it's private equity or VC money, you know, versus private investors who are really tethered to what you do? Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think all, all options are on the table and all are interesting I love meeting with people and speaking to them. And, um, you know, I think what I've learned in this journey is never to say no to anything um, and to keep having those conversations. And you really, when you stay open and you follow your instinct, you wind up, I mean, who knew I was going to be in Sephora with skincare? Could right. not have told you that <laughs> a few years ago. So... There are many good options. I'm open to all of them. I'm also open to the radical surprise that comes and is, is something I never dreamed of for the company. Amanda, you mentioned a second ago about, you know, this this age of the female founder, which I think we've seen a lot of, whether mm -hmm. it's, you know, Tiffany Masterson and Duran Gelfin or Emily Weiss, you know, everybody, all these beauty brands or wellness brands today, people are really trying to put the founder be make her the face, the everything, the North Star. I imagine, you know, that's probably difficult to do when you are trying to keep 
your head down and and people also want to know more and more about you personally. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of juggle that, um, you know, from your partners, from your investors that you already have, from your customers who just want to know everything and be so you know, latched on to what you do. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm impressed with founders that are able to be on Instagram stories every day. I know them. I'm friends with them. It's it's nice. It's nice for me. I get to see what they eat for breakfast and what they're doing that afternoon and where they went that evening. So um, from a personal standpoint, it's very nice because I can keep tabs on people I know and love. Um, I, I can't do that. Um, I've got a 13-week-old who is, you know, in a hotel room a few blocks away. I've got an 8-year-old who is in California today. I've got I've got a team in an office in California that when I'm my, on my phone, I feel most called to tune in with them. Um, and then there's Instagram. And, and the company Instagram is one thing that I really do pour myself into. My personal Instagram, eh. You know, there might be a moment when I can open up and it's like, hey, I'm in another city and I'm eating this wonderful piece of fruit. Here's a picture of it. It's pretty sporadic. (laughs) There's a lot of baby pictures on there. Um, I don't know how people do it. it. It is something that I have not aspired to keep up with. And again, maybe it's old fashioned, but I really do go back to much rather channel that energy into sourcing, into what our holiday packaging is going to look like rather than here are the 10 things I did today. I don't know how people keep the balance. Um, I don't know that I've met anybody that's got a marriage and children and a business that they're actively involved with the day-to-day that's able to keep up the the almighty female founder show that goes live every day. So I think it really depends on where you are in life and what you, the amount of time you have to invest in, in that particular channel. So on that note, Amanda, you know, when you think about marketing or potentially investing more in that arena, Mm -hmm. and I, I believe it's, is it 60% or 70% of your sales come from, D to C, is that right? Is that correct? I think we're at 66. 66%. So that's quite considerable. And, you know, Instagram is your largest channel. So when you think about, you know, marketing, Mm -hmm. you know, in this era, in with what you have to commit to it, you know, is it more traditional marketing that might make more sense? Like whether it's out of home or mailers or, you know, conversations and community, like, is this... Instagram persona, maybe, you know, that other brands and other founders have really tenable for Moon Juice for you? Um, I think that there's a lot we can do that is new and innovative in the digital space that wouldn't rely on my face. And and I'm really committed to that. Um, I'm here. I love having conversations with you. I love meeting editors and tuning in. I just don't think that my own personal Instagram channel is is the future of the business. Um, but I, I'm really, really interested in in hacking into all of the new the new ways to get into conversation with people. And I hate the term acquire. 
<laughs> acquire customers. It just sounds so creepy. But I am really interested in that process of how how do we go out and meet millions of new people and and appeal to them. Do you want to meet millions of more people? Be, you know, a billion dollar business? Is that, you know, think do you think that's down the road for what you really want? I do. I do. I think that, you know, so many people are waking up to wanting to feel better and realizing that they deserve that and that that is a birthright and there are tools out there to help you get there. Um, And I do want to build a brand that can be reliable and available and, and meet their needs. Last question, Amanda. When you think about, you know, what you what you see on the horizon from a wellness or a beauty perspective. You know, you've been ahead of the curve with all of these kind of categories. What do you have your eye on? Science. Science. My my eyes have always been on science, but more than ever now, um, I think people are wanting to see the science, and it's exciting for me because I know that the science is there. So. I expect to see um, a lot of money go into science, proving proving what we all instinctually know know is correct, and um, what we as humans have employed for hundreds and thousands of years. I'm really excited to see all of the science, and with that, the innovation and the tech that will actually come around this. I mean, you can start to see it now. I'm also really excited to see the medical community coming on board. And I guess that really goes hand in hand with the science. They will bring the science. Um, I think we're going to see doctors be trained very, very differently. Um, You know, I see it even now with just younger medical students that I talk to. Everybody has functional medicine top of mind. Um, So I think we are going to see a true merging of science and medicine and wellness. And I want to be right there for that. I'm very excited for that. Perfect. Thank you so much, Amanda. It was great having you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, that means if you haven't subscribed, please hit that button.